All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. Obviously, we are also, if you're watching this, you know that we are on with at MTC with Mook, with the live stream. The man to my, I guess, to my left, but in the thing, it's to my right, Marcus Washington. Um, real quick, Georgetown dropped its final non-conference game of the season, 80-73 to to Texas Christian. I keep saying that instead of TCU. Um Always an eventful game for Georgetown. We found out, I wasn't even here yet, I see you tweeting, then Georgetown put out an announcement. Dante Harris, who averages about 30 minutes a game, was out, he was in a walking boot. He had been injured against Syracuse, re-injured it this week. And uh, Georgetown again was short-handed-ish, you could say, in losing. Um, Aminu Muhammad again showed why he's popping up on NBA draft uh, mock, <laughs> mock 2022. Nobody wants to hear that, but that's a thing. So he's got 21 points, 11 rebounds, his fifth double-double in 11 college games. Um, Caden Rice and Jalen Billingsley were back. They were missing last game with an illness that was not COVID. Um, Rice had 14, Carey had 12. Those were the three guys in double figures. TCU just seemed like they had a different level of toughness. Um, Long-time pit coach was back in an arena that he coached at so many times. He made reference to it post-game. TCU is a bit on a, on a bit of a roll. Charles O'Bannon, I'm going to not lie, I did not know he was on their roster. He had all of his points in the first half. He finished with 15. Uh, Mike Miles had 20, and TCU is now 9-1, and one, and they've beaten a lot of big conference teams. All that stuff's out of the way. Uh, we think Tyler Beard, or I'm sorry, we think um, Dante Harris is going to be back next game. Um, that's what they're hopeful for. Assuming there is a, a next game, there's been a lot of COVID-related cancellations in the Big East. Marcus, what do you think was the big takeaway from today's game? Oh, and I would be, it wouldn't be fair for me to bring up, even though I had some technical difficulties post-game. Georgetown came out really fast. Aminu Muhammad came. They've sort of gotten in a rhythm here of not bringing out players after a loss, which I think is silly. So I think it's really great that they got rid of that. So you know, great job for Georgetown for doing that. They came out quick. And, uh, okay, now now we can start. Just, <laughs> just want to get all the facts out there real quick. Um, what do you think? Well, I thought that Georgetown, you know, you don't want to say that there's any sort of uh, moral victories. but I Moral this, victory. I think that this one actually could classify as one. It's hard to play Division One. P5 team when you don't have an experienced primary ball handler. And Georgetown came into today not only with one that was relatively inexperienced in Tyler Beard, but also they only had one. It was one primary ball handler and a bunch of secondaries. And we and we talked about it after the last game that, you know, playing two primary ball handlers at the same time is is really, really catching fire on all levels. High school, college, whatever the case may be. Georgetown wasn't able to do that today, and I thought that Tyler Beard struggled. Me had three turnovers uh, in under nine minutes to start the game off. and But I will give Georgetown this. They made TCU go to their weakness, which was shooting the three-pointer. TCU was a 28% three-point shooting team coming into this game. They made 11 threes. A guy who shoots our ball, who shoots 18% from the three-point line coming into this game, makes three out of four. You how, know, much, how much do you think that is TCU practicing and getting better, like Jamie Dixon just said? And for as bad as TCU is shooting the ball from three, Georgetown's pretty bad defending it. Yeah, they are pretty bad defending it. And it's one of those things. Now, I'm not in practice, but I don't know if the game plan was at the beginning of the game um, to overhelp and almost dare them or invite them to take the three-pointer. I, 
Not there. I don't know if that was the way they wanted to start off the game. I wouldn't have blamed them. Um, you might not want them to have some of the open open looks that they had. But, um, again, I think that um, forcing them to take the three. And didn't we see it? Uh, season high, 11 made threes. I think they had a season high in three-point attempts. Uh, and percentage, 42%. Their high had been 36 or something like that. I yeah. Think in the game that they made eight against Southern Miss, which was over a month ago. Now let's talk to you, the coach, real quick. Again, Ewing basically said the same thing he always says when we ask about three-pointers, which is we didn't do a good enough job closing out. Did you think it was still the, you know, they were they were helping too far off? Like, what what is the remedy? Because it seems like whether he has a different answer, he's not going to tell us, right? He's yeah. always going to say this. So what did you see from the three points today? Rule of thumb, and um, this is where you could criticize how the Georgetown played it. Rule of thumb is if the ball, if I'm on weak side and the ball is above the free throw line, I'm usually rim line plus one, meaning plus one towards my man. Yeah. Sometimes Georgetown, when the ball is that far up, they are on the rim line. At times, I've seen some of the guys even pass the rim line. So if it does kick to the other side or you break down and get a paint touch, it is hard to recover out. And that's when you see those really, really wide open threes by their opponents. So part of it is the discipline of knowing where to be in relation to where the ball is. So let me see if you think this is related at all. So at halftime, I tweeted something about how, you know, Caden Rice had missed last game, but in the two games before that, he had gone uh, 10 for 12 from three, and I think it was five for 15 against Syracuse. So he had been, um, you know, 15 for 27. First half, he was one for three or one for four. He needed to get back in the game. He did. Uh, Caden Rice, did, did I say Taylor? I meant, I meant Caden Rice. So he finished four for 11. He made three. He had a little bit of a run there. Um, I was a little surprised at the end after Aminu Muhammad had his, oh, shoot, he might be a pro next year move where he split two defenders, got to the rim. He didn't, like, slam it, but he did finish, and he got fouled. Okay, they got to within 66-64, and they went small. And I was thinking that's a good thing because I'm a fan of the small ball. The small ball didn't work, and it was a small ball that was with Billingsley. So do we think that Caden and Caden wasn't really part of a lot of that after the timeout? They went on a quick 7-0 run, they called timeout, and Holloway was, was, was on the court. I've just said a lot of things I know, but I'm trying to connect. Do you think the dots are connected at all between Caden Rice's three-point defense and the lineup they went at the end? Because I'm not going to lie, it was a pretty big spot to put Billingsley in, who hasn't been playing a lot, and missed the last game with an illness, and the game got away from him. I'm not saying it's anyone's fault, but I just wonder – if there's a way to connect those dots, do you see it at all? And maybe it was that Caden Rice was struggling a little bit defensively. I, you know, personally, I would have kept him in. I would have kept him in because my thing was, if TCU was going to beat me on this day from the three-point line, I was going to probably accept the fact that they were going to beat me from the three-point line. And and so I probably would have stuck with him even if he was struggling defensively. Uh, Billingsley did have the one nice little shot, and then uh, he had one short one that kind of, just didn't want the to stay down. The rare two-point jumper. Yeah. We just don't see those anymore, anywhere. No. <laughs> yeah, and it, and he made it. And, and it was a critical stretch to go that way, and it did get away um, from Georgetown when uh, TCU got some runouts there. And, and I give TCU's guys a lot of credit. Uh, we're in an era where a lot of people like to shoot three-pointers in transition, and I kind of coach that way. I love the three-point uh, transition, but there are times where you should have players attack the retreat. And every time TCU... Uh, got on that fast break when they were making that run. They attacked 
Georgetown's retreat. And that's why they ended up with a bunch of layups. Was no, hey, let me see if I pull up for a three or trying to be cutesy. They just went full, full bore um, at the retreat guy. So I give TCU the credit. I, again, I thought that Georgetown and Spots played well. And that's seven for eight made shots by TCU end up being the difference in the game because outside of that spot, uh, you know, Georgetown defensively really was not that bad. Yeah, I mean, so you, know, you can go up and down the box score, and so much of it was, was close. I mean, turnovers were pretty close, pa- points in the paint, second chance point, fast break, bench. There's nowhere really to turn to find the one weak spot. Um, you know, you, sometimes you watch a game, and in your head you know how it's going, and then you look at the box score and it doesn't really tell it. I thought TCU was just way more physical than them. Yeah. And then you look in free throws, you know, they took 16, Georgetown took 12. So in my head it's like, well, TCU, J.B. Dixon bullied them a little bit. That really doesn't show up in the box score. Right, and I'm glad you brought that up because this goes back to a tweet that I had earlier okay. uh, in this game. I, I was talking about the free throw attempts, just what you were talking about, and my big thing was this. Sometimes we call reputation, right? I felt like TCU and Georgetown was a game that was allowed to be physical because of Jamie Dixon's reputation, that it wasn't going to be a whistle fest, and if Georgetown was playing another opponent, I was openly wondering would there have been more whistles in the game but we know Jamie Dixon we know the style of, of play he has and when you have veteran referees maybe you say ah you know uh, that's not a foul that's just kind of how we play and we're not gonna call this tight yeah and so on and so forth and and I thought there was a lot of that today and I'm sure there's a lot of that in a lot of Jamie Dixon games where you don't necessarily blow whistles that maybe you would blow if they were playing you know a team like Duke or or a team like that so it is the end of the non-conference it's hard to compare last season to this. So basically what I'm trying to do here. So Georgetown's 6-5. and five. Last year, obviously, COVID, the late start, fewer games. Let's just come back to that. So two years ago, at the end of the non-conference, despite all of the, all the transfers and all that stuff, Georgetown was 10-3 and three heading into Big East play. Um, the 2018-19 season, Georgetown was 10-3 and three as well. Um, the first year, as we know, famously really weak scheduling. Georgetown was, um, they were 10-1. and one. So, going to the Big East, you're kind of, I mean, obviously they could have a crazy good record, you know, but you're kind of in a spot again where, at Georgetown, you're kind of, it's almost like you're in a one-bid league and that, like, you have to win right. the Big East tournament to get there. And, and I know, like, we're looking really far ahead and there's so many things that I'm glossing over, but... What's your assessment of where they are? Six and five, is that kind of line up to where you had them? Let's just start with that. Yeah, it's probably where I thought they would be. Maybe they'd have one more loss. Maybe they would have one more win. I really thought that when they went out to California that that had to be a split situation. I can understand losing one, but you can't lose both. And you're right. You put yourself behind a ball. You really don't have a quality non-conference win. I mean, you could say Syracuse, but not really a – a big-time non-conference win, and your resume looks different if you have wins in a non-conference over Syracuse, San Diego State, and TCU. Now, it might not blow away the world, but you're, you have a resume where you have these solid wins. So you're right. You're, you're asking your, your team to be very, 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 very good during the conference season, and I don't know whether this team can be consistent enough where they can be up to that level, but it's like you said, uh, time will tell. Health will have a lot to do with it. 
you mentioned it briefly a little earlier, man, with the Big East, and we're seeing so many cancellations. Would Georgetown get two or three wins off of, off of forfeits? I mean, we don't we don't know. So the thing about that is they count as wins in the Big East, but they don't count as wins for the NCAA. So yeah. it's just really it's really like an administrative thing for scheduling. Right. And it hurts teams all over the place. Right. It hurts teams like Georgetown that need quality wins. Like, let's say Villanova has to forfeit two games in the Big East. That wouldn't help Georgetown at all. No. You need the opportunity to get those great wins, right? Um, you know, or whoever, Seton Hall, Xavier, um, the teams that we think are going to be good in the Big East and the teams that are good right now. Um, yeah, I think when you look back at this, I didn't have them at 6-5 and five in the league for sure. Like, losing to Dartmouth was just a game you couldn't lose. You couldn't really lose any of those games. You know, looking at it, you were like, okay, Siena, that's usually a team that's decent. They're not. So you couldn't pick up a, a loss there. Like you said, you had to go to the wood and, and win and win yeah. two. Unless somehow that you you lost to Saint, or San Diego State, and then USC got upset. And right. then even losing to them, you'd be like, well, at least we've got a quality loss if that's a thing you want to talk about. <laughs> and, and then, you know, between South Carolina, Syracuse, and TCU, you kind of needed to go two and one. Right. Because none of those teams are really that great. Right. So, you know, I think their best case scenario that you're thinking, okay, we could still really legitimately fight for an at-large at something like 12 and 8 in the league, is you kind of needed to come out of this 8 and 3 without a bad loss. Right. They're 6 and 5. And they have a bad loss. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of work to do. We don't know what they're going to look like when Eco F.A. gets back. Hopefully you get Dante Harris back. Hopefully you don't have any more, you know, illnesses or COVID-related illnesses. Um, there, you know, maybe Kobe Clark returns. Who? What an interesting career he's had. Right. And I say career in parentheses really a little bit because he came out first game, 10 rebounds. And he's played, I don't know, maybe since then, maybe less than 100 minutes. Right. Um, but he's one of your few sophomores that was around last year. So... I don't know how much has really changed, you know, from the first loss, right? You lose to Dartmouth, and I think, for me, the expectations are like, wow, anything could happen. Right. And, you know, maybe from starting 0-1 to finish 6-5, and I thought they maybe had another bad loss sitting out there. They don't have any... St. Joe's a bad loss? Maybe, right? We'll see what happens in the A-10. But, you know, they, they, they didn't pick up a loss to, like, American or Longwood or UNBC or Howard. Who they're not, Those teams really aren't that bad when you think about what Georgetown's weaknesses are, which are, right. if you can't defend the three, you can lose to anyone. This is not the era to have problems defending the three as well as teams shoot it and as well as kids come out of high school shooting it. Do you want to talk about anything happy for a second? Do you have any, any interesting Christmas plans? Don't you usually go to New York or is that Thanksgiving? Uh, we go at Thanksgiving. Uh, we, every now and again, go at Christmas. This is one of the Christmases we are going. Nice. Um, so um, when we go at Christmas, uh, because the Knicks are usually at home on Christmas Day, we'll be going to Knicks Hawks uh, Christmas Day. Oh, that's and, a good one. Yeah. What time? So noon is the first game in the NBA schedule. So, no, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, my son is looking very much looking forward to it, seeing uh, Trey, Trey Young. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. That's good. Yeah, no, we don't – we're just staying around here. Georgetown is not staying around here. Their next two games are going to be at Providence and at Creighton, fingers crossed. Right. They don't come back here till New Year's Day, which might be a hard game to make. Uh, yeah. 
I'm old, so I'll probably be home. So, so I'll be able to make it at noon. But oh no, I can I can totally understand. I would like to see what the crowds want to be. New Year's Eve is my birthday. Oh wow! And not that you can. I mean, when you have kids, every day is their birthday, basically. They yeah. don't want to you know hear it or understand it. But I mean, right. you say, oh, you have Father's Day, Mother's Day. When's Kids Day? Literally every day is Kids Day. So yes. I'm not trying to pretend on New Year's Eve I'm going to go out and just get you know live my best life. But right. um, that might be a difficult game, yeah. difficult game to make. Do you have any predictions when they make it back here? They're at Providence, at Creighton. I'll say real quick, it's going to be hard to get a win. Yeah, I was going to say, it's going to be tough to get a split. Um, Providence will come out there, and you're going to get Cooley and his version of the of flex offense, and you're going. it's going to be a lot of flex cuts and a lot of screening. And Georgetown's going to have to communicate a little bit better on how they defend Ball screens, screens away because in the flex you always have that weak side flex screen coming across, and and that's going to be communication. It's going to be where you're on the floor, and it goes back to the discipline stuff of where you are in relation to where the ball is. And Georgetown's going to have to be, um, they're going to just have to be cognizant of that every single possession. Creighton, yeah, you come down here. That's that's going to be uh, that's going to be hard. Yeah, a lot of people sort of <laughs> had Creighton, you know, maybe not as good as they are right now. Right. But. And, you know, I can't believe their coach is still there. That's a different topic. <laughs> yes. You know, what they did to Villanova last night, I, I didn't yeah. see it, but I couldn't believe that score. Yeah. Maybe it's more about Villanova than Creighton that score is because we saw them have a just get completely just shut down by the national defending national champs. Yeah. But, yeah, what, what Creighton has done, all the guys that they lost, and they're sitting there at 9-3, and three, you know, Ken Palm has, you know, got them at 49. You know, it would be Georgetown's best win. Of course, Providence – would also be Georgetown's best win. And, uh, you know, it sounds, maybe it's just my age and mellowing, but at this point it's just like, I just hope the games happen. You know, we found yeah. out, you know, Creighton has 10 days off to get ready for Georgetown. Right. I don't think they need 10 days to focus on Georgetown, okay? But they do have it, yeah. okay? And uh, Seton Hall and St. John's aren't playing. I mean, I know that you're a big national basketball, college basketball fan. I don't really follow a lot anymore. When Georgetown's bad, I kind of, kind of shrink a little bit of my interest of everything. Mm-hmm. If Georgia had a little number by there, they were 18 or 25, I'd start caring about the country yeah. because then those results affect Georgetown a little bit. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I think this didn't North Carolina and Kentucky were just searching for opponents. Patina's out there, who I love, is tweeting to try and find opponents. Yeah. You know, so I just hope the games happen. Yeah. Well, I do too. And and yeah, I it is uh disconcerting when you see so many games being canceled. We know why and and the safety of it all, but uh, I do hope the games happen. And yeah, with me, I will fill in when Georgetown's not playing. But I think Georgetown's one of these teams that they have to play to get better. Some teams, yes, they need a break, they need to get healthy, they need to do this game planning, yada yada yada. I think for Georgetown, they are so young in so many spots. I really do think that they just need to play. They need to play. They need to get on court experience. They that would help this particular program. So, real quick, I know that we've raved about you know Tyler Tyler Beard and Dante Harris, and I like the idea of them playing together. Mm-hmm. You know, he Tyler I think had over 20 points the other day. Today in 30 minutes he was one for three. You know, three points, five assists, four turnovers. How much do you think it was a struggle for him? I mean, obviously TCU is a step up from Howard, but not having Dante there to play off of and to know. That it, it just might have been too much for a freshman to handle today. Yeah, and he doesn't have the experience coming into today. You know, the most minutes he had played was against Howard. 
And Jamie Dixon isn't stupid. He knew that there was really no other primary ball handler. So as an inexperienced ball handler, I thought that he did very good jobs of making Tyler Beard make decisions whenever you wanted to put him in screen and roll. And, and anytime he came and brought the ball up the sideline, they had great ball pressure on him. A couple times it looked like they were going to run a second guy. And he just, he just never got into a groove because of that, which is why he needed Harris there. It's a different Tyler Beard's Harris is there because, yes, it is a step up in competition. But now you are a primary ball handler that's kind of secondary. Plus the pace is probably a little bit faster. He, uh, you know, Harris can create some things, which gets me more space. Now I'm operating in space as opposed to allowing TCU to shrink up the space that I'm allowed to operate in because I have to be the single primary ball handler. So it was going to be more difficult today, but it became – you know, uber more difficult yeah. when when Harris was out. And the game does change a little bit, too, because those, I don't know, 12 or so shots that Rice got up weren't there the other night, right? Right. So, yeah, Caden went 5 for 13. He didn't play. So you can't expect Tyler to maybe have that, that kind of effect. Of course, right. Dante's not shy. He gets up a, bu- a bunch of shots. And yeah. I think I mentioned he had an Iverson-like line that just – where the, the efficiency of you know field goal attempts to points wasn't really there. But just a completely different game. And, you know, I was complaining, but not complaining, but before I got here, I'm like, see, that's why I need to leave earlier. There's always something that happens. And I saw your tweet. I couldn't believe. Say, Dante Harris is in a walking boot. I said, you know, I can't believe I am not there yet. The day was getting away. I thought a little bit of a break because it was at 2, not noon. And yeah. I just kind of chilled for a second after coaching five-year-olds playing basketball. <laughs> coaching... I would say very loose term, okay? But, and Patrick says, next man up, and that's great. You, I'm sure you say it, all coaches say it, but, like, it's not a real thing. It's like, not. If I get hurt and you have to come in, we do different things. Right. So it's just like, man, like, besides being healthy, or I'm sorry, besides, like, the non-COVID or the COVID cancellations, you hope that you just has everyone available because the team isn't super talented, we don't think, anyway. And then every game it's like, oh, it's just like you sort of like, you know, it's like a random number generator. Who's out today? Right. So, you know, the, the next man up thing is fake anyway. And I'll tell you how coaches, it is <laughs> yeah, fake. It because when, be. when somebody gets hurt, what coaches do is within their natural action, they just put emphasis on something else within the action they already run to help mitigate who's out more than just saying, hey, well, you should be on the equal par to the guy who is just um, who is not available. And and we all know, especially at this level, very seldom do you have someone equal par. And I'm not blaming this, but in today's basketball, when you have the transfer portal, if you and I were close and I sat there for a year, there's a good chance that maybe I'm not even there that second year for if you got hurt to plug me in. Well, it's kind of like, like Simmons you know? gone, right? Yeah. yeah, and there you go. Like, yeah, yeah that's And the last example. year, Colin Holloway was getting all those minutes. Like, there weren't many minutes available. Right. But, like, it was like, that's interesting. Holloway's getting them, not Sibley. Right. Sibley is everyone's excited about. He had the four-star by his name. He was top 100. Now he's playing for Utah. I think he's starting. I haven't been tracking him, really. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, it's there's so many things to just, you know, make sure everyone stays – yeah. You know, now everyone's super worried about, you know, Muhammad leaving. Yeah. You know, you got people close to him tweeting out mock drafts every five seconds. And, uh, y- y- you know. Nothing is real. Nothing is real until you get the NBA report back. I would recommend and assume that when it comes to that time, he will put his name in <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. to get the report. And, yeah, absolutely. And he should. Yeah. And the report. T- and that's the one great thing. And I'm not going to get off on a tangent. 
about the UCL uh, about the NCAA getting away or being forced to get away for how they did their work in the past. Knowledge is king. We always talk about kids making mistakes, but there were hurdles there that would not allow you to get the necessary information. Kids are getting the necessary necessary information. In fact, I was talking earlier before you got here with someone else. 15 years ago, Caleb Love leaves North Carolina after his freshman year. Not because he had this great freshman year. It's because, well, I was going to be a one and done. I'm a one and done. I'm done. But now in the era where he got that information from the NBA, and now it's like, oh no, I'm not going to be a one and done. Because they're telling me, these are the guys who are doing the hiring process. And they're telling me, young man, you need to stay where you are. You know where I was not a one and done today is at pregame meal. The wings were good, man. Not I was a lie. one and done. I was trying to be good. I used to go out more, you know, like mm-hmm. we don't really do anything. And even if it's just, you know, for a happy hour or something, like I love wings. Yes. And man, I almost never get, carry out. I just don't get wings. That's more of like a, you know, you meet up after work or something or, yeah. you know, to watch a game and uh, or after I play soccer or basketball or something like I go go out for a second. So wings are just it's a whole you know, not in my in my junk food. Um, yes. You know, I'm missing it, and to walk into those was just like this I th- is real. It it was hard for me, but I had I said I'm going to have four wings. And I that, had more than four wings, <laughs> and that was it. And then I had my four wings, and then literally I came and sat out here because I knew yeah, if I, I stayed out here, I, I knew if I stayed back there, I would not be telling you right now that I only had four wings. Well, I talked to Ron, who I've known for a long time of Hoyer Report over at Rivals. Everyone should subscribe, and hopefully we'll get him on the podcast sometime. But, uh, you know, it was it was getting close to tip. They have the they have the clock in there. They have the game clock in there. And I said, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to get more wings. <laughs> like, I already know Dante Harris is in a walkie, but there's nothing else I need to see out there. You know? So, like, yeah. you, don't, you don't wear a Christmas shirt like this. The last home game before Christmas, and not treat yourself. Right. Okay. Right, right, right. Well, I'm, I'm, I need to get, uh, you know, a few pounds off, so I was oh, trying yeah. to be good. Yeah, plenty of time. <laughs> plenty of time for that. Next year, right? Right. 2022. Gotcha. Plenty of time for that. Well, it's been really fun to do these on the video. Thanks, Marcus, for hooking it up at MTC with Mook. And you can watch this. You can go to his Twitter feed, and it'll be archived. It'll be, it'll be sitting there. If you're not watching live, you can go ahead and look at there. Um, also, I'm going to put it on Kente Corner before I leave the arena, which is – I'm not I'm bad at this. It's the reverse, which is behind us. The baskets are down. I can make a lot of shots on that. <laughs> you know? And uh, I want to wish everyone – a happy holidays from Kente Corner. Yep. <laughs> All right, cool.